The Living Traditions Festival is back Friday, May 17th through Sunday, May 19th at Washington Square Park in downtown Salt Lake City. You will find a global food court, live music, performances, art, workshops, Bohemian Brewery, and stuff for kids. Full disclosure, this is my favorite Salt Lake Festival. For details and to see the full program, visit livingtraditionsfestival.com or find them on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. The Salt Lake City Council is taking up a heated debate on whether or not to tweak the rules around building ADUs in the name of increasing our housing supply. So I'm going to throw myself on the flames here and ask, what on earth is an ADU? And why have they got people so hot and bothered? Let's do a little myth busting. It's Tuesday, April 4th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Taylor Anderson, editor of Building Salt Lake, in a world full of acronyms I wish I could unlearn. Why should I care what an ADU is? So you should care what an ADU is because it's a, an important type of housing or a potentially important okay. type of housing. That's what an ADU is. It's a really wonky name for a house that's on a property or in a basement, in a second floor, above a garage, uh, its own structure in a backyard. ADUs are houses, and that's why we're talking about it. Okay, so accessory dwelling unit. I always thought of it as a mother-in-law. I didn't know an ADU could be just an apartment on top of a house or a basement. Right. Uh, in my case, it'd be a father-in-law. I mean, that's that. I have a father-in-law who wants. I think his dream is to is to live on my property. Um, <laughs> and uh, how do you feel about that? Love you, Joel. We don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have time. Uh, no, I'm interested in that, really. I mean, he's getting older. He's just turned 70. I, I think he's going to live to 120, but he would like to live closer to home, closer to his family, close to people that could take care of him so that he doesn't have to go to a old folks' home. And right. that's why you hear in-laws, you know, the, the, these called mother-in-laws or in-law suites a lot because mm -hmm. it could be, you know, a basement unit that has a kitchen, a bathroom, its own bedroom of any size. And somebody who's important to you could live there or you could just rent it out and make a little bit of money to offset the cost of your house. Yeah. I mean, we often hear about these becoming Airbnbs. They're good candidates for Airbnbs. You know, the city council is looking to update its ADU ordinance, you know, to allow right. for, you know, design changes, the process that people go through if they want to build one of these on their properties. And um, some of the pushback has come from fear of Airbnbs is kind of driving this discussion. Yet the data that we have from other states that are ahead of Salt Lake City on this issue doesn't really bore that out. You know, it's finding that more than zero of these ADUs are becoming Airbnbs, but it's like less than 10%. So the net is houses that if we said, well, we're not going to let ADUs or we're going to make it tough to build these. So we're going to get few of them built because we're afraid some of them might become Airbnbs, we're losing that other 90% that could otherwise be used as long-term rental housing. And so I think mm. it's important to just say, like, I haven't seen any studies that show that these are used as Airbnbs. And from covering Airbnb for years, if you're trying to maximize your money on a short-term rental, you're not stuffing two mediocre properties onto one 
piece of land and then therefore getting like less than you could if you just had one really sweet property. So it just, yeah, I think that touches on the community's concerns about short-term rentals, which are legitimate, but I don't see those being tied to accessory dwelling units in a meaningful way. Well, I want to get into the ordinance, but before we do that, I do want to ask you like, where are most of the ADUs in our city? Is there an imbalance in where we find them neighborhood-wise? Like, what does that tell us about them? I'm surprised that District 5, which includes uh, East Liberty Ballpark and Liberty Wells, that's where the bulk of them have been built. District 6, the East Bench, District 7, Sugar House, um, you know, Prater Sugar House. Uh, that's where, like, <laughs> those districts are leading by far compared to everywhere else. District 4 is downtown. Mm-hmm. District 3 is the avenues. You know, the west side isn't seeing many being built at all, even though the property sizes on the west side are generally pretty big and could fit yeah. an ADU. So I know the city's doing things to try to encourage construction on the west side where we might encourage, like, multi-generational living and, and bigger families staying on one property. Uh, but so far, these have been at least permitted in District 5 for the most part. Interesting. Yeah. So they're mostly on the east bench. No, mostly in the center. I mean... Mostly in the center? Yeah, Ballpark, Liberty Wells, and East Liberty. And I think part of it, you know, we have a decent network of alleyways. And if a property has an alley, it's a pretty good candidate to make an ADU because you could maintain your Uh privacy as the main homeowner if you're living on site. And you could Mm -hmm. spin that ADU around, have it face the alley, potentially. Or at least, you know, have more of the the windows not facing your backyard that you're now going to share with this new tenant. That might be one of the reasons. Also, wealth is definitely a contributing factor on, you know, these right. are wealthier areas that ADUs are being built on. So that's because a lot of these ADUs require renovation to be created. And we know that renovation is just expensive. It's super expensive. I mean, you're looking at a $200,000 investment uh, to, to build an, a detached ADU. And it's important to note, like, we currently have different rules for attached ADUs, which would be in the basement usually, and Mm -hmm. um, detached ADUs, which are in the backyard or on the side of the house. And so I think a couple years ago, the the Utah legislature passed a law that said cities can't block people from building an in-law suite in their house. If it's an attached ADU, you can just, you know, you have to follow the other regulations that are in place in the city around housing, but you don't need special permission from the planning commission, which other cities aren't as favorable toward ADUs as Salt Lake City has been. And, you know, so a lot of the discussion right now in Salt Lake City is around those detached ADUs that kind of are a new building form that's on a property that otherwise might have had a garage, but not another housing unit in the backyard. I can't explain it, but it's the most Utah legislature thing ever to do to like pass a law that has basically overrules a local ordinance (laughs) about how much of your family you can move into your house. (laughs) Like that is like the most Utah legislature thing ever. It is. But what's interesting is, um, so we're following California. California is doing, you know, they've got a major problem. They're probably right. Housing affordability in California doesn't exist. And their legislature is, is, you know, doing everything that it can, including usurping local zoning authority, local land use authority over ADUs and other things too, Mm. over whether, you know, you can have single family zoning, the restrictions that localities put on housing creation that many believe led to the affordability crisis that's facing California. So that legislature in California actually stripped away the authority of, of cities 
around ADUs. If you own a house in California, you can add an ADU. You can actually add two ADUs on it. There's certain restrictions in there, but cities can't block Ali Vallarta from becoming, you know, a landlord in, in, in San Francisco, right? Because it's, you know... So anyway, it's just kind of funny you say it's like the most Utah thing, you know, and it's encouraging bigger families on one spot. But it's something that states have realized they might have to step in to play a role because the housing affordability crisis across the country is so severe that we're looking and finding that it's it's actually a local issue that maybe is 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 overstepping its bounds or localities are overstepping their authority on land use regulation. Whenever posture comes up in conversation, we all do that thing where we immediately sit upright and pull our shoulders back. Did you do it just now? I did a movement session with Chandler at Embodied Patients, and after a few gentle corrections, I was surprised to find sitting up straight is incredibly easy. Chandler's practice combines over a decade of study in yoga, Pilates, and the Alexander Technique. So why should you invest in your posture? Let's start with the link between better posture and better breathing. Whether you're returning to activity from an injury, looking to manage pain, or just have the sense things could be a little easier, Chandler will teach you to create sustainable movement habits so that you can enjoy the things you love for longer. Maybe that's running marathons. Maybe it's walking the dog. Visit embodiedpatients.com to book a session with Chandler and give yourself the gift of your own attention. Spring is when leases expire, and if you're looking for a new or better apartment situation, here's the scoop at Ico Fort Union. Fort Union is Ico's newest build in Cottonwood Heights off 1300 East and 6720 South. And as they say in real estate, location, location, location. Ico Fort Union puts you 10 minutes from the mouth of Big Cottonwood Canyon and central to all the Fort Union shops and restaurants, but the complex is located on a dead-end street, so you get peace. Ico Fort Union offers studio, one, two, and three-bedroom apartment homes, plus these very cool three-bedroom work-live apartments, so if you're starting something new, you can live above your business space. Amenities include a pet spa, a spin loft, a bike hub, and EV charging stations. And they are signing leases right now. So visit liveatfortunion.com for a tour. The thing that I understand about this debate, which is not very much around ADUs, but is that it's really kind of drawn a line in the sand. Like both people who are into the idea of the city updating its ordinance and people who are not into the Mm -hmm. idea of the city updating its ordinance are approaching this issue with equal fervor. Mm -hmm. And the city is kind of trying to pull them apart and make some sense of it. Can you lay out like this debate for us? Totally. So, I mean, basically we should talk about some of the changes. Like the city council is going to allow bigger ADUs that can be taller that can be closer to your property lines, and that can be built without needing conditional permission from the city, right? So they're going to save anyone who has the means to build one of these, the means and desire. They're going to save you months of time, some uncertainty on whether it's going to get approved or not. They're just going to say, you know, Taylor, if you have a property that 
you know, can fit an ADU and you want to build it and you design it in a way that meets our regulations, go ahead and build it. But it looks like they're going to allow ADUs that are up to a thousand square feet. That could be easily comfortable three bedroom apartment. That's big. It's big. It's bigger than my house used to be. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they're no longer right now they tie it to the size of the existing structure. So I have a small house and they're saying I would have a small ADU as a result. Now they're they're detaching that and saying, okay, like we're just going to allow more, bigger, you know, taller, like just if you have the means and desire, go ahead and build one because this is about the gentlest form of density and moderate income housing that we can create in Salt Lake City. So mm. for years, we've had these regulations that, you know, you look at the gold standard of, a, of an ADU policy and ours was not that. We had too many uncertainties, too many design restrictions and the, and the cost is high which was a contributing factor, but the city's saying, all right, we're going to get out of the way. Uh, we're going to allow people that can do this to do it. And it's, it's very likely going to lead to more of these being created in more neighborhoods across Salt Lake City. So your question was on, you know, what's the debate centered on? Really, this came down to one thing, which was whether Salt Lake City is going to require a property owner who has a main house and an ADU on it to live in either the ADU or the main house. So that's called the owner occupancy requirement. And yep. this is where it all I learned centered. that word in the past few weeks. <laughs> boy, oh boy. I mean, basically, if the city removed that, they're allowing duplex. They're getting rid of single family zoning citywide again. They're allowing duplexes for the first time in 28 years. You know, up until the 1990s, mm. when most of the city was rezoned, you could build a duplex on your property. And it's, it's, it's a relatively new you know, concept where, no, you can't actually do that. We have neighborhoods that are you know, single family only, even though these duplexes that are already there are still there. You know, it's like right. too much of a pill to swallow for some people to think of two rental properties on one parcel in their neighborhood. Um, so you had a lot of these wealthy neighborhood representatives from a lot of wealthy neighborhoods come and organize and try to stop the city council from removing that restriction, the owner occupancy requirement, because they feared a, an uptick in rentals in their neighborhood. That's what it came down to. Okay. Cause I was going to ask, like you and I are into gentle density and maybe even more than gentle density, <laughs> but like throwing these folks a bone, what is the thing that they're worried about? That's it. I mean, that's rentals. Yeah. It's rentals. It's, and you know, yeah. you hear, and this is somehow it was this debate that it clicked in my mind where, you know, I heard a number of times, you know, protect our property values. That means keep our houses expensive. And, you know, yeah. what, what I'm getting fired up and what a lot of advocates that came out to the city council debates on this were fired up about is how is that the role of the city council? Mm. Like we're talking about places for people to live and inherently ADUs are not going to be as expensive as like a one for one type, right? If you only allow a house to be built and that's going to be rented, it's going to cost more money to rent than if you're sharing a yard, you've got a smaller space, right? These right. other restrictions, like ADUs are a gentle form of density that encourage moderate income housing or allow moderate income housing. And, um, you know, I think there was a number of people that thought that should be built citywide, especially in wealthy areas, because those areas are not getting any affordable rental units of any kind or for sale units of any kind. Um, so mm -hmm. I think people just see the trends, right? The West side is getting a lot of development because the East side's really good at blocking it. 
And this is yeah. one of those things where if you organize and say, no, like, no, don't remove the owner occupancy requirement because it's going to lead to rentals in our wealthy neighborhood. This is how that plays out historically, year after year, time after time, right. debate after debate. And that's kind of where this went to. Now, I should say it's still an experiment. And I think this is where the city council landed. Removing the owner occupancy requirement is an experiment because we it encourages the, the reason that it will lead to more housing being created, more ADUs being built is because investors can get involved, right? Flippers. Now you're not just maybe fixing up one house, you're, you're fixing the house and adding a second and then selling that, that higher value. Um, because the, the buyer mm. pool is unlimited, right? You could sell to another investor who's going to hold both and rent them both out. Right. right. Is that going to drive up land costs? Is that going to drop, drive up property costs when you're trying to buy? And that's already a problem. You know, the starter home is extinct right now. So it's unknown whether like how that would all play out and where the city council has landed for right now is they want to delay. You know, they're, they're going to keep the owner occupancy in place. So if you have an ADU, you have to live on site and they want to revisit it in three or five years and say like, how many ADUs have been built with these design changes that we've already made? You know, what other studies have been done out there from states like California that don't require owner occupancy? You know, what are the ramifications? And then that's when they're feeling comfortable. Basically, they're kicking the can down the road so that we can learn more along the way. Yeah. Well, I also kind of want to come back to the idea of like the origin story of the ADU, which is moving an elderly family member onto your property. Because one of the things that I'm interested in with this idea of this kind of density is community care. Mm -hmm. And like we often hear the privacy concerns or whatever of like, you know, people don't want to live close for whatever reason they like their space. Mm -hmm. But there is value in people living close to each other, right? Like when we think about what it means for our neighborhoods. I've got a couple of examples on this. I'm really glad you asked about it. Tan France built an ADU. Like Tan, hmm. everyone has their individual reason, right? So Tan needed some on-site help for a child. I think that's that was his reasoning. So he built an ADU yeah. in his... Um, what is it, Upper Avenues? Or I don't even know the neighbor, neighborhoods up there, but um, yeah, <laughs> it's the suburbs. It's, as far I call as it the tippy top. He <laughs> <laughs> built an ADU on the tippy top neighborhood of Salt Lake City. Um, there was a woman that came to every ADU hearing that I went to. She just waited her turn. It was hours of debate and discussion. And she got to the microphone and she said, hey, I'm trying to build one for myself so I can live next to my brother. Can you just please uh, pass it? She's not yeah. asking for one thing or the other. She's just saying, pass it so I at least know what the ordinance is and I can break ground because I'm going to live next to my bro. You know, there was another mm -hmm. kid that was like, hey, I live in Glendale. I've got a really big property. I want to build a space for my friends who can't afford housing in Salt Lake City to live in. Um, so there's just so many different individual reasons that people are interested in this. And um, that's why, even though it's wonky, it's it's super important. Yeah. And I think it really undermines the obsession with the idea that everyone who wants to build one of these wants to do it to get it up on Airbnb and make money, fill it with Ikea furniture and start making money off of and it. And you can definitely find Air even ADUs on Airbnb in Salt Lake City. Like it happens. It definitely happens. Mm -hmm. But I don't think there's been a case where a city like liberalizes its ADU zoning and then it's just every ADU turns into an Airbnb. I think always the yeah. net benefit from Seattle to California to even Salt Lake City is more long-term housing at moderately affordable prices. Mm -hmm. And it's not some wave of Airbnb ADUs. It just is, I just haven't seen any data that shows that. Okay. 
Well, do you think that this update to our ADU ordinance is going to pass the city council? Where do you think they're at? So I think it'll pass and it's really important, right? These design changes are really important. What I've been told from people that studied these elsewhere, we're going to have basically the gold standard of ADU ordinances with the one caveat that you have to live on site. So we're probably going to, you know, see more of these being built in the next couple of years. And then I guess the city can be in a place where, you know, either not enough have been built or somehow we've solved the housing affordability crisis or, you know, we're going to have to come (laughs) back to that owner occupancy requirement in, uh, you know, I I guess where the the city council has signaled they want to wait five years to collect more data Mm -hmm. and all that. But I'm, I would be surprised if they did five years because there are three seats on the city council that are up for election. And what five year, a five-year delay would effectively do is whoever's on the council from those three seats has no say in ADU policy f- for their term, for their next term. Oh, yeah. So they should maybe consider like a three-year and then they can, you know, more studies are going to come online because I think the entire nation is like liberalizing ADU ordinances right now because we're returning to, you know, the realization that, you know, these aren't scary. Housing isn't scary right. and we have a significant problem, right? Um, so we'll see. But yes, I think it'll pass. And they've taken a number of like straw poll votes that show where the city council is sitting on this. And there's only a few mm-hmm. kind of outstanding pieces that, you know, they have to decide. Can't wait to see where this takes us. Be interesting. I like them because I think they're cute, too. Like, I mean, we hear this complaint often in the city that's like, we hate the new condos. We hate that everything looks the same. Okay, these sound fun. <laughs> I agree. I've never, they're like little Legos I in have, the city. Yeah, I love that. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Um, one thing. So uh, I think the city should think about, you know, if we're concerned about these only being rentals and investors owning two rentals on a property, we should seriously talk about the, you know, allowing people to build these, then split their lot and sell the ADU or, mm-hmm. you know, move into the ADU and sell the main house, right? Like some places do allow that lot splitting. And then you've got a, a small parcel that has an ADU on it. If we want to encourage ownership and there are reasons that, you know, we sh- maybe should consider that, um, these would be yeah. a source of affordable houses that you can't create right now. So, these little Legos, like that's, I guess, something that the city should think about revisiting in three or five or however many years. But anyways, I just, I don't know what you said that made me think of that. I, I would love. Yeah, like little seedlings for housing. Yeah. <laughs> we just don't have, the starter home is dead. There are no houses anywhere for less than $300,000. Like it's mine boggling how expensive houses are today. So we need to look at like how can cities encourage or just get out of the way and allow starter homes to be built and sold again. And that's one way they could do it, I think. Taylor Anderson, editor of Building Salt Lake. Thank you so much for your time. It's always a joy talking to you. Always happy to be here. Thanks, Allie. There's an article in The Atlantic about how living closer to our friends makes us happier. It's been making the rounds online lately. And the author asks, if we have the proof that living near our friends makes our lives better, then why don't we make them our neighbors? Producer Ivana Martinez brought up how this idea could intersect with the growth of ADUs in our city. And I think it's a fun thought exercise. In the realm of city news, not only could the council vote on this ADU proposal this week, but Wednesday, the Planning Commission is expected to take up the issue of the come and go in Sugar House. Remember this one? 
The Sizzler at the corner of Sugarhouse Park is no more. And in its wake, the proprietors of a come-and-go gas station have filed a request for a conditional use permit to plop one gas station across the street from another right at the edge of the park. The public comment period proved this to be a very unpopular idea. And now the planning staff have told the commission they think the idea undermines the Sugarhouse master plan. If the commission decides to decline the permit, it could result in a legal battle because nothing is ever really over. Whatever moves are made this week, we will break it down for you in our Friday News Roundup. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye.